And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Friday show. Gary, how the heck are you? I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to listen to this audio cut before we get on the air. It's uh, the vice president talking about bridges. So, you know, when we think about America's bridges... I'm a California, so I'm going to tell you one of the things I think we think about. We think about things like the Golden Gate Bridge. Or, you know, some of you might think about the Brooklyn Bridge. But bridges like the one behind me are just as important. Because, you know, every day more than 100,000 people cross the northbound 395 bridge. I, here's, I figured it out. <laughs> She sounds like somebody who's really drunk, who's at an open mic night at a comedy club, whose friends say to her in the last seconds, hey, you should get up there. Hey, do that thing about bridges. It's hilarious. She's the female. Do you ever, do you ever remember the Cheers episode when they got Cliff Clavin to do the... Uh, uh, the postman, Cliff Clavin, to do the uh, open mic night for stand-up comedy. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And the only one left was Norm at the end. Everybody walked out. What's up with that? I mean, you would just make observations. <laughs> What's up with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, she... Uh, she sounds really lost all the time. Well, I mean, I, I thought she might be talking bridges about the bridge over troubled waters that... Uh, her uh, her boss is uh, is dealing with uh, uh, right now. Hey, what about the bridge in Del Rio? You know the international bridge? bridge. How about that bridge? Hey, I have a bridge that I think of, having grown up in Del Rio, the international bridge. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, uh, bridges and the fact that people cross bridges. It, the. The bridge has not been given enough credit in American history. As we think back on the history of bridges, oh my gosh, 
It, it's so horrible. Now, somebody, please say again how if Joe doesn't run, she should. <laughs> Tell me. I, I, I'm, I, oh, I can't remember. Oh, 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 that, that thought because the reason that she should run is if because if she doesn't run and somebody uh-huh. else is run, runs, then that proves the sexism and uh, the racism of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Because remember, when she dropped out last time, right. that's what she blamed, sexism and racism. And we mm-hmm. went, wait a minute. Republicans don't vote in the Democratic primary. She is a I have never seen a party. And they do it all the time. A, 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 well, it happened again yesterday. We'll get to that in a moment. But I've never seen so many major leaders of a party call their own party sexist and racist because you don't see Republicans doing that. No. But Democrats who claim uh, that they are the ones trying to save us from sexism and racism are always accusing their own party of sexism and racism, and it's really never a topic of discussion. Happened again yesterday. Nancy Pelosi claims that those that are calling for Dianne Feinstein to retire, this is purely sexism because they wouldn't do it for a man. Uh, well, there aren't any Republicans calling on her to retire. No. It's only Democrats. It's the Democrats. Republicans are like, oh, good, you only have 49. Because of Fetterman, you only have 49, you can't do anything. Right. So it's not Republicans. So Nancy Pelosi is calling the Democratic Party and specifically members of Congress of the Democratic Party of being sexist. That's right. And since, though, this all makes sense because you can tie this all together. Mm. Due to the fact that they all support, I don't know one that doesn't, the liberal transgender activist movement, which is sexist and misogynist, Mm -hmm. well, then it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. Nancy knows it. The Democratic Party knows that they are sexist and misogynist and racist. Yeah. I had to throw that in because we uh, had Kamala Harris who made that accusation. Who else made the accusation that... Who else was running for president? Oh, Hillary. Oh, no, it was Hillary with sexism. Yeah. Hillary with sexism. Yeah. But with with Harris and Pelosi, they can only be talking about their own party and members of Congress (laughs) of their own party. But it makes sense. Well, look, they know they're racist. They know they're. How do they know? Because they support judging people by groups and not individuals. Please, someone, some Democrat, tell me where I'm wrong on that. The Democratic Party understands that it's a major core value of judging people by groups and not individuals. In fact, we now know that the concept of judging, this is where it's all gone posterior backwards, we all know now Democrats call, if you say, well, no, I think we ought to treat everybody autonomous and we should judge everybody not by the color of their skin or any physical characteristic, but by the content of their character, and because we do talk radio, the substance of their argument. Mm -hmm. But those are the judgments that should be made basically on your brain. If you're going to judge somebody, their brain and their character, right? Well, as we know, no, that's racism. Because as we know, Democrats promoting anti-racism is actually promoting racism. And if you promote, uh, if, 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 yeah, Democrats promoting anti-racism or actually promoting racism. And if you're really promoting 
anti-racism, which is judging people as individuals and being colorblind, you're a racist. Everything is posterior backwards. And that's why we started the show yesterday even talking about the one Fox News article that kept calling it anti-racism training. Right. For those two teachers. It's yeah. Like, it's not anti-racism training. It's racism training. Right. Oh, did you see the judge fine them 300000 each for legal fees, the mm. teachers? Mm-hmm. And the teachers actually, you know, went through. And again, I haven't been through the entire case, but the teachers are claiming, no, you know, in that training, basically I had to admit I'm a racist because I'm white. Right. That's going to the Supreme Court big time. Yeah, I think so. That's going to the Supreme Court. Yep. Because, you know, you and I talked about human resources, uh, you know, human resources departments and industry across the the nation that are letting, you know, uh, the, uh, as they call it, quote, the anti-racist, which is racist training, a part of their human resources training, that that in itself is a violation of, you know, of, of labor laws, of civil rights. You're basically telling and, and that's the amazing thing. Democrats haven't figured that out. And it's eventually going to get to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court's going to say, sorry, you can't mandate that people become racist. I think if the if if these teachers, if they take this case to the Supreme Court, it's going to be, I think, a clear victory. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Yep. I'm not going to sign off on something where I label myself as a racist permanently. Right. No. And then you've got the judge, you know, finding them for legal fees, which is, again, the message, if you won't admit you're a racist, will destroy your life monetarily. Yeah. Right. We'll get to that specific topic coming mm-hmm. up. But, mm-hmm. You know, the funny thing is we start on one thing and everything, it just rolls. I mean, it just yeah. rolls. I mean, yeah. it's just, you can connect the dots on everything. It's just <laughs> like, like, this is getting to be too easy. Yeah, it is. It is over and over again. Um. But, uh, look, uh, when it comes to Kamala Harris, I hope she does run if Biden doesn't run. I hope she does. Give it your all. <laughs> Please. Invest everything you have. You're clearly the right choice. <laughs> Says w- only one person on The View, by the way. It's not even the entire panel on The View. Just one person on The View. (laughs) She doesn't even have the endorsement of 100% of the liberal panelists on The View. That's how bad it is. (laughs) Only one of them stood up for her. Yeah. This is... um, But I, I love the fact that over and over again, you know, that's this idea... No, they they say she doesn't know anything. They say she's not competent. She proves day in, day out. Well, we play the audio. Over and over again, she shows she's absolutely clueless. But the administration, you know, the story was out, what was it, two, three weeks ago? That internally, Biden is just absolutely livid. Because he believes she should be carrying more of the weight. I'm like, dude, you chose her. You chose the first major candidate in the 2020 election cycle that dropped out to be your veep. That's on you. If Biden is upset, good. I think we should talk it out in public. You know, it's it's just the insanity over and over again 
of this administration. It really is. I mean, my gosh. As much as people want to say that the Trump administration, the Trump years were a circus, please. Are you kidding me? Yeah, the circus can get bigger and the elephants, uh, (laughs) not in the living room, but in the big tent, can get Mm. bigger too. Right. And more numerous. Yeah. Well, the biggest elephant in the living room is actually not in the living room. He's on the road with his dad. Well, you know, and the beautiful, it's just, I love this job because I don't have to do anything anymore. No. You just, I mean, you, you just wait for Biden to be Biden. There, there's no research. Well, well, I mean, yesterday, I mean, the, the, the whole thing is in Ireland. And then the story comes up that uh, from emails, you know, that uh, Fox now has that uh, Hunter and his associates sought Irish investments in 2011 by using the U.S. ambassador to do so. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's just like every it's like there isn't a day that goes by. Right. That I mean, every single day there's something I'm just like, well, now, wait, I wake up, you know, I grab my coffee. I sit down. I just look at my phone for five seconds. It's like, oh, show's done. I can goof yeah. off the rest of the day. Yeah. Okay. I'm exaggerating that a little bit. but Well, <laughs> the, the reality is, is that there's so much that's thrown at us. And all of it, it would be, would rise in, in years past, let's say 10, 15 years ago, any one story from today would rise to the top. That's what makes it tough when you're trying to prioritize everything. Yeah. On this job, you, you just look at it, everything comes flying at you and you're like, what was that? What was that? What was that? (laughs) What, what connection to Ireland? Connection to Ireland? When did that begin? No, I mean it, it's it's like that every day. You saw the um, uh, the story the other day. Somebody over there uh, in Ireland found uh, what they believe were classified documents on the street, and they were like, "What?" And it was during Biden's. You know, it was after Biden arrived, and it's like, how in the world would that even happen? Now I never saw any more about it likely because it's classified. But you think of the whole thing with um, uh, Jack Teixeira, mm-hmm. the guy arrested for the leaks from the, the Pentagon leaks. Right. Now you, you, you take that because I'm listening as Merrick Garland yesterday came out, very brief statement about Teixeira and how he was arrested and everything else. And then he moves on, and I thought, all right, you could say the same thing about Joe Biden. And why haven't you? Yeah, I haven't seen the story updated yet, but uh, this uh, just to read you what Eric was talking about. Uh, a security scare shadowed President Biden's trip to Northern Ireland on Wednesday after a top-secret document containing the itinerary for his visit to Belfast and information about his protective detail were found on the street. Uh, it was... Like uh, on the ground. A passerby discovered the police paper, which detailed where the president was staying in Northern Ireland, as well as the phone numbers of the police service of Northern Ireland officers in his security detail, BBC Radio reported. Hunter, you take Hunter on one trip. <laughs> no, one no, trip. No, but that's the whole point. Even if it has nothing to do with him, and it, so- it sounds like this may be something they shared with the Irish. Yeah. Well, I could hear and, it. I could hear it now. 
You know, Hunter, they but, serve their beer warm over here. Really? He <laughs> drops everything and runs towards a bar. <laughs> Uh, the uh, uh, PSNI uh, confirmed the security breach in a statement to the Irish Examiner. An investigation has commenced, and we have notified the senior information risk officer. Uh, we take the safety of visiting dignitaries, members of the public. So it seems like it's something that you know that that Ireland had, but still, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that right. the 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 only time we've ever heard of this happening. It might have happened before, but it wasn't in the news. I don't remember it. Right. But this thing hitting the news, and it's like, oh, yeah, of course, because Hunter's with I mean, that's the first thing you thought. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah, they found top secret documents on the street. Well, yeah, Hunter's traveling with them. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just, just yeah. insane. We got a great show ahead. 86690-RED-EYE. Cold weather takes a toll on trucks. As warmer weather rolls in, it's time to assess the impact winter has had on your vehicle to help avoid downtime and keep your rig rolling through to next winter. Spring temperature swings can cause your tire pressure to fluctuate. Start your spring maintenance routine by checking your tire pressure and make sure your tires are properly inflated based on the load you're hauling. Underinflated tires cause premature wear, reduced fuel economy, and premature tire failures. Take care of your tires now before you find yourself stranded roadside this spring. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90 of uh, Red Eye. Well, we said last night, just, I mean, it was obvious that they would, you know, have the suspect in custody. There were just, uh, there were too many paths that were actually laid out by that, by that kid to begin with. Yeah, that, and, and the New York Times right. named him. Right, and, well, I figured if, if the government couldn't do it, the media would. Yeah, right. the media the the yeah. media would be able to find it, and it made sense because the New quickly. York Times, I think, was the very first on that. 
leak uh, a couple weeks ago. So uh, I I don't know. That's that seems like a a, a bit of a risk in in naming somebody when you name somebody in there, you know. And then all what if it turned out that that isn't the person? That's not the the person that your sources were wrong and your oh, information was that's wrong. happened before it, it's happened nbc before. right was that nbc uh abc abc for the, the colorado shooting for the aurora colorado shooter right and it was brian ross actually and he said you know he, he had found someone with that same name and that they on their social media uh they displayed uh, enthusiasm for the tea party and blah blah blah. He was a wrong guy, and it was not him. You know, to me, because it, it's dangerous. It's it's close to, uh, I don't know. You could call it, I guess, maybe accidental doxing in a way. I mean, you may not give out all the information, but if you give their name, and you're wrong, uh, if authorities say their name, then that's that's one thing. If the media says their name, you're carrying you're carrying a lot of weight with that. Now it turns out this time, the New York Times was right apparently that he is the suspect and was arrested today, or yesterday, um, and it was very clear they had been doing surveillance and uh, they had him. The FBI had him basically uh, under surveillance. And once the name came out in the media, they had to move in. Was that a drone shot that showed him reading the book? On the uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was. Because I, like I it guess was, I assumed it was. Yeah, it, was, I, it seemed like it came from quite. I mean, it's yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the other thing I thought of. I go, was, is that a drone footage or is that satellite footage? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. Eight six six ninety red eye. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight, which is the preferred way. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's the way. It's the way. That a lot of people do it. Now, we, we do give you an excuse. Yes. People have responsibilities and jobs and whatnot. And 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 if you're working, you know, if you're, you find yourself working the second shift, by the way, second shift is what normal people call first shift. But right. we're the first shift. We're the first. We're the first. The shift. day starts. Right. At midnight. And exactly. And I don't like this discrimination and marginalization. We're victims. We need to get, you know, they're all, <laughs> all the lawmakers are jumping on the <laughs> daylight saving. Daylight. No, no. We need the lawmakers. <laughs> we need the lawmakers to settle this third shift <laughs> right crap once and for all. Uh, and, and and the discrimination exactly the discrimination that third. exists. Third, we yeah. start the day. You know, I want if you want to go out to lunch at three in the morning. Yeah, why aren't the stores open? Yeah. Why aren't they open? <laughs> Stupid COVID. <laughs> well, 
My they, gosh. They weren't open. Well, yeah, they, that's a great point. Yeah, there were a lot of places that Pre-COVID. were open overnight Walmart before COVID. Had, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. In major metro areas, I don't know if it was in every uh, smaller town, but well, yeah, they fast, were 24-7. Fast food. I remember, yep, yep. I remember when I was, now, we don't go anywhere here. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we're, we're not asking to have a lunch. That's the last thing. I, that's the last thing. Yeah. Management's like, oh, no, those guys are complaining they don't have a lunch. Do yeah. we legally have to give them a lunch? All right, let's have them do two and a half hours of the show, and then <laughs> they can take an hour unpaid break and then yeah. come back and do another two and a half hours. No, I don't want that. We don't yeah. want a lunch. No. <laughs> no. I, one of, and I'm serious about this. Huh. I... I didn't mind as much. I remember when I was uh, when uh, I was in uh, machinist in one company. I think we got thirty minutes. I think we got an hour unpaid lunch, and then when I went to work for the next company, we got a half hour paid lunch. I like the I like the uh, the paid lunch much better because at least it was like okay half I'm, hour yeah yeah half hour so we I, that's what we got when I was uh, making. Air conditioner filters. We right. got we got a half hour lunch. But I remember even when I worked uh, when I worked at the bank and I worked during the day, and you'd you know you get an hour lunch and I believe that was unpaid. Yeah, because we were hourly, so we were we actually filled out. We were you know we worked full time, but we were hourly, so you didn't get paid for uh, lunch. Initially, when I got hired there, it was cool just to be walking around downtown and everything else working for a bank. But as I got older, I would rather never have a lunch. That's just me. To me, it's a waste of time. Yeah. And if I were to go, uh, the job I had before this, usually on Friday they would order, uh, they would order uh, a delivery and for lunch, and everybody, okay, give us your money and your order at like nine or ten a.m. Then, and that was probably the only time I really ate lunch because if I went and ate lunch like everybody else in the office. And you come back at one or one thirty, whatever. I'm done. <laughs> Just give me a couch somewhere. I'm I'm I can't be productive that way. I know a lot of people will come back and make coffee again. It's like you know, no, no. It's like no. It's like, I, I would rather just work yeah. through. It's like starting the the day again. Yeah. If you're making coffee twice, then it's starting yeah. the day. I, it's I'm, yeah. I'm working two jobs here, right? Uh, no, I, it, but I do remember when I worked at, uh, the one machine shop, we used to go to McDonald's all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, that would be, and so they were open. Right. When, and I yeah. can't, I'm trying to think if we worked 11 to we do have seven, a, I'm trying to think lunch must've been probably, well, I, cause it was 11. Eh, we only got a half hour then at that point. So that was re- that was really probably quick, at three or two thirty, maybe something like that. And it was open and you know, it's. I don't think they were serving breakfast, so everybody got, you know, a burger or whatever. We have one just a couple of miles from here that's 24, 24 hours. Oh, is there one? Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah Whataburger just... is, a, is a chain. It's a regional chain, and they're, all their locations are 24-7. But, but and, and McDonald's, and, and but uh, a lot of the retailers are, they realize. In, in fact, um, in the pharmacies, in the big retailers, they've scaled back their hours. They're closing at 7 p.m. Wow. They used to stay up until 8 or 9, and it's because they just don't have the staff. The staff was being overworked, and they don't have enough people. And so uh, it's it's drastically changed 
it's interesting. Walmart had made a statement last week that they see, and I forget, they I don't know if they quantified it, but they believe there's going to be a significant presence of automation uh, in effect in their stores by the end of 2026. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's already in play. The um, There's actually right now, it looks like a, a small Zamboni. <laughs> but if you go to the, the warehouse stores like Sam's Club and, and Costco, you'll often see these things. They look like floor cleaners, but they're not. They're inventory robots. And they're trying to scale down the size of those. Uh, they're trying to get them basically hooked on a rail system overhead. And then soon it's going to be even smaller, even mm-hmm. less detectable, and they'll know everything in their inventory all the time. Um, the supply chain thing will be interesting, but uh, but in terms of the people that they'll need for the for the jobs, you know, it's going to be scaled down a little bit, but still will be short on humans. I like on social media where, and I'm sure you see it too. Where and these are my friends complaining that uh, you know about self service. I should get a discount because why do I have to do their work? Yeah, and it's like yeah. if you think it's going in another direction, <laughs> if you think your complaining is going to change it and make it go in another direction, sorry, it's not going to happen. There's going to well, be more. There's going to be more automation. The only thing is, as we talked about, that when you actually take it off the shelf from now on, you may be scanned. With the, with the automation. We've talked about that. Yeah, uh, that's already in play and in certain stores and, and again, warehouse stores and, and, and big box retailers. Uh, I don't know how they've handled the uh, people who are getting around that system and still stealing things. But I would say to those individuals who want a discount, um, actually on the fast food apps, they've been incentivizing those since the beginning. You know, get a free large fry when you come in and yeah. order through the app and go to the, you know. Yeah, but I don't see complaints there. The complaints yeah. I'm talking about are, you the know, our re- retail stores. Oh, okay. I'm talking yeah. about retail oh, stores. The, the, Wal- the Wal- Walmart grocery stores. Man, I prefer the auto checkout. Uh, you know? Well, it was, it was funny because everybody's complaining and I went, I sort of like it. And somebody said, why? I said, I don't have to socialize. There's no forced socialization. They said, for God's sakes, you're a talk show host. I go, yeah, so I socialize all I socialize for my work. I don't want to socialize off of work. <laughs> well, that's it. I, I um, I do, I do much better if I can just get in, get out, and look. Sometimes it depends, you know, of how busy the store is. But most times, I would, I would choose that. And I don't go inside fast food hardly ever. But if I'm inside, I'll use a kiosk if I have a choice. A kiosk all day mm-hmm. before going to the counter. The reason is, is I can choose all the things that I don't want on the sandwich or whatever I'm ordering. I can I can do all that without telling somebody and hoping that they that they did the data input correctly and then that it was made correctly. You that know they what I mean? that they pushed the right picture. Yeah, on on their cash register. Right, exactly. And it's not that it's cash register. <laughs> it's yeah. It's just. Over and over again, you know, uh, it, there's uh, one particular chain that gets my stuff wrong 
all the time. And it's like, all right. Well, when you think about it, because I use the word cash register instead of basically iPad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, just think about it. I go back to when I was a a kid. And remember, remember the cashiers at grocery stores actually punching in the price of everything on the cash register? I was one. Yeah, oh, you did that for three years. Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah. wow! Oh, yeah. How? M- I just wonder how many mistakes were made when you think about. Oh, I'll tell you right now. When you now, this is just my experience, and it was isolated uh, to one uh, mom and pop, actually uh, two guys uh, and their wives that owned this one grocery store, and especially if you were a teen like I was. And then, you know, you had a, an elderly person come through. They're going to watch everything you input. <laughs> You're not going to get it wrong. And if you do, you won't do it again. I guarantee it. Cause no, they, they watch everything. And, and that's another thing too. I mean, I kind of, you know, if I get up there, I'm, I'm looking at the prices as I'm swiping things. And if I'm buying something, like, if I buy something occasionally on clearance and I look at it, you know, I mean, I want to see the, the the person, if they're, if there's a checker on the other side, they're going through quickly, you know, because they got to keep it moving. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I may miss that. And so, I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but it's the principle of things. But, man, when I was working at 9th Street Food Store, they would watch you like a hawk all day, every day. We would get there. Man, we did everything. We, I, I would have to show up on Tuesdays at 4 a.m. before school, unload the truck, go to school, and come back later in the day. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. I loved oh, yeah, I mean, it. I, I loved in high school when I was able to work. And that was great because yeah. you felt like, okay, it, in fact, in my mind, the work was a lot more fun than school for even, yeah. even though, even though I yeah. was, I was a janitor, yeah. you know, but I did it in a, basically a bakery in a donut shop. So right. it was there. You're always talking to people, you're doing things. And then I got to be an assistant baker for a while. Right. And you did that kind of stuff. I never got to be the counter person. My buddy Jeff and my buddy John did. And they always mocked me the fact that I had not never uh, rose to the level that they rose to. Which was, uh, as, as I said, you guys lucky you rose to the level of the checkout girls because really it was all women that were out front. There were never, well, I was gonna say, there were never, there were never men, and they were having pro, you know problems, and they'd be filling in all the time for them. The so full time uh, checkers that worked there, I mean, they were they were in charge of the store. They really were. Yeah. yeah. And at that particular store, there was Pat. Uh, and and Lisa that were both of them full time. Now, when they wanted a day off is when I would do that or on the weekend. And I also learned that the little electronic buttons, because that was new technology that we had, <laughs> not the old cash register. Well, you had to push down I, the lever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we did, we yeah. didn't have that. Oh. We we had the new the, technology. The electronic, yeah. yeah. And I could play the song safety dance on the men without hats on the little thing. And my, and Steve, the assistant manager, stop it. 
When you heard that, you knew the store was empty. Because I'm just sitting there. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Stop it. Could you play Antarctica? I never tried. I never tried. I should have checked it out. Yeah. I, Why I, is there a $9,000 ticket ringed up I'll, here? I'll just Ran, say this, uh, rang a, up here. Uh, a, a buddy of mine uh, actually sent me a concert of them on DVD about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Really good live and much more guitar-driven concert live than you would expect. They're yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah. Really good. And the offshoot band of theirs also was really good, Rational Youth. Yeah. With that, uh, they were just, they were really, really good. Yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So uh, there is uh, Biden in Israel, uh, in, uh, in Ireland with Hunter Biden. And the story comes out yesterday and we'll talk more about this coming up. Following the top of the hour, Hunter Biden firm sought Irish government investments while Biden was vice president, <laughs> raising questions about this Ireland trip. Oh, my gosh. And and it was where they, they in the emails, they were looking to get the U.S. ambassador to help them with their business deals. Yeah. Well, you just saw you just went, my God, does it ever. Every single day this week, there's, just been, gets there's, worse. there's been something new right. uh, that you sit there and go, oh, influence peddling, influence peddling, right. benefiting off being vice president right wow and then he takes hunter to ireland yes exactly oh we found a connection to ireland top of the hour news is brought to you by house products visit houseproducts.com this is red eye radio on westwood one Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 86690 Red Eye. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want, but you can't listen live overnight. Here we go, the Friday show. Woo! Well, so the president's over in Ireland, and this story comes out. <laughs> Hunter Biden firm sought Irish government investments while Biden was vice president, raising questions about the Ireland trip. Oh. Biden and Hunter are touring Ireland this week. Yeah. Uh, and they go back to 2011, again, when... when uh, Biden was vice president, and uh, Hunter's company was looking to get involved in a ton of different sovereign wealth funds Mm -hmm. that are basically owned by governments around the country. Right. Right. Excuse me, around the world. Uh, Reading one email from 2011 where it says, uh, 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 the UAE, United Arab Emirates Investment Authority, Hunter having lunch with the ambassador. Uh, ideas we could follow up on. Ireland, ask for an introduction through U.S. Ambassador Rooney. Uh, so there you are. The Another sovereign wealth fund uh, mentioned, mentioned, mentioned on the list was the National Pensions Reserve Fund in Ireland, which is $33 billion in assets at the time. The NPRF was a public pension fund that later became the Ireland Strategic Fund 
in 2014. Archer suggested that someone from Rosemont Seneca reach out to Dan Rooney, then U.S. Ambassador to Ireland, who was appointed by Obama in 2009 in order to gain connections to the Irish government. Ideas that we could follow up on, Archer wrote, Ireland ask for intro through Ambassador Rooney. Uh, Schwerin then suggested to Devin uh, and Hunter that an informal meeting with Rooney could be arranged during the St. Patrick's Day festivities in Washington, D.C. the following week. Uh, and in the, the letter, I mean, there's an email letter right there that was sent. Hunter has a request in to follow up with the Omani ambassador as well. And so Ireland, I assume there would be some opportunities to informally connect with Rooney. St. Patrick's Day stuff next week and then formally follow up afterwards. You know, you look at that there and it's again, it's using government contacts because you're the vice president's son. That's what it's implying. Right. Now, where it goes, I don't know precisely where it goes and what happened after that. Well, but the, but the news just the adds, timing is just right. The timing horrible. just adds to it. Yeah. It is just horrible, and the fact that Hunter is with him on this trip, right? <laughs> wow, wow. Fox News Digital asked the White House whether it was aware of the 2011 email before the Ireland trip or whether it could guarantee Hunter would not use the trip to further his financial interest, but it declined to respond. That's the problem when you've connected the dots already on influence peddling to the family. We already know that the Biden family made themselves rich by using the vice president's name, and they had no legitimate business or service or product to offer anyone. Right. So why were they being paid? The American public hears that, and they understand and then the response is, well, Trump, well, Trump's been in business for years. Yeah. There's actually a product that, that he can sell. But if you wish to investigate him, uh, let's put it this way. I believe they are. Yeah, right. Uh, but uh, it says it's unclear whether Hunter and his now defunct firm were successful with any potential business ventures in Ireland. Ambassador Rooney passed away in 2017. News of the email comes as Biden travels Ireland with Hunter and his sister and former campaign uh, manager, Valerie Owens, on his first presidential trip to Ireland to help celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. So there you go. But like I said, every every single day it's something else. Every single day it's something where you... The, and, and the Republicans are going to pound on this, and the conservative media is going to pound on this because you already have the suspicion. The suspicion exists already. Well, Why? Because there, there, yeah, we know. As you mentioned... The dots have already been connected in other places. This does not add to at all. This is this is not um, look good in the wake of that. It may amount to nothing, but the story coming out is just undeniable. This okay. This goes back to what we were saying. I think it was yesterday, and where you start. You know, and and Biden did and still says today, I don't know anything. And had you started and said, look, I, I, I know my son has business dealings, but none of it has anything to do with me. Uh, you talk about it. If if 
nothing is going on, I would want to clear everything. I would want it to be absolutely open and transparent because it goes nowhere. I, if anything, to defeat the the media, who it would you know to me it would feel like okay, this is an attack. I'm going to come out. And I'm going to defeat them, and I'm going to do that with the truth. If nothing is going on, you don't have a problem talking about it. Well, the, the other thing is, too, that when you look at, for example, at the laptop where all, all this information came out, the media, the government, everybody in the mainstream media and the government wish to censor this. Mm-hmm. So you get the impression, because the last thing I would want, if I'm Hunter Biden and I'm Joe Biden, I know we've done everything correctly, mm-hmm. is the fact that the perception is now that you were protected by the media. And the government yeah. and and by social media protected your influence peddling. Well, I wouldn't want that on my shoulders. No. Especially no. if I knew I hadn't done anything wrong. I, I'd sit there and say, wait a minute. All these things happened. They were beyond our control, you know, what social media might have done or whatever, or the mainstream media. But we didn't do anything wrong. Right. And the perception is this was all hidden because we did something wrong and we didn't do anything wrong. Right. Here's what Hunter was doing, and this is why the family was enriched to tens of millions of dollars. Here is the product or service that we were offering to them. They can't do that. That's a huge problem. And so everything after that that may just connect some dots, and the only dots that are connected here is Hunter's organization wanted to connect with ambassadors in order to get into the wealth fund, you know, get into the wealth fund of these um, of these different countries. And using the ambassadors, well, why would you use the, you're approaching the ambassadors? Well, you might approach them anyway, but you approaching them because of what we already know you've enriched your family, put suspicion on the fact that, well, these dots are connected. You wanted to connect with uh, these ambassadors that were appointed by your father's administration in order to gain extra leverage to right. make money right. in these particular things. Right. That's the problem. Right. So even if nothing was ever accomplished and those dots were never completed, it shows that across the board on every single opportunity, on every single country that they could possibly get into, they were attempting to use the vice president's influence while he was vice president to enrich the family. Yes. And and that's the other thing, too. In the past, when you hear of a CEO getting a bonus, well, why did they get such a huge bonus? They don't do the work. The workers do the work. But the left on Hunter Biden, silent. Why well, would Hunter Biden be qualified? Well, no, no, but it's interesting because they're worried about big oil, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're worried about uh, <laughs> big banks. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be worried about big Biden. No, that the made big, the big guy, the big guy Biden that made that made you know the family hundreds of millions of dollars right. flowed through to the Biden family and their foundations. Right? Why? Right? What were they offering? What was the product? What was the service? Right. It seems like if you, to the left, if you offer a legit service and make a product, that's wrong. But if yes. you don't offer any type of product. And, and you get paid. And you and you get paid. And obviously, it's influence peddling. 
well, we're just going to be quiet about that. That's no big deal. We only want to get after those persons, those people that have earned those dollars. Those are the people that we will demonize. Yes. (laughs) Just amazing. Yeah. Over and over again. Well. But it's, look, um, what will today bring? What, what will the what will the new? Because it's almost every day this week. There's been something new that has come out. What well, you got the eighty, you know, the eighty business uh, uh, partners of Hunter that went to the White House mm-hmm. and met with uh, Biden. 80, yeah, eighty, eighty that, visits, eighty visits. Yeah, yeah. eighty, not eighty different. Yeah, because there were multiple visits by same the same people. Right, but eighty different visits by business people of Hunter Biden's ten per year on the average. And yeah. you made the point yesterday. Oh, what if they were all grouped in a, in a shorter period? It wasn't over eight years, yes. which it likely might have been four wasn't. years. That would have been 20. 20 a year. Every couple of weeks, somebody's. And, and again, you're not talking phone calls, emails. That's you're talking going actual to the White House. visits. Right. Think about that. How many people actually do that? I've got people that have been in sales. They may visit once a year. You know, to sign the deal, or maybe twice a year if it's a big deal that they're doing. But most of the time, it's email, whatever, mm-hmm. email, telephone calls, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you make it, you you make that type of visit to do what? To seal the deal, mm-hmm. right? And that's the you know, uh, it's it, it really. Uh, let's put it this way: if they had this on. If they had, if you had the dots connected on Trump on anything, mm. like the dots have already been connected on Biden, uh, Trump would have been impeached 50 times already. Oh, yeah. It would have been nonstop yeah. impeachment. And so you wonder where this is going to go because the, the most, the, the, uh, the, the two damaging ones, this one is, pro- this one is important because it relates to the trip that the president is on. But yeah, but right, I think yeah. the the big one was the eighty visits, because the president's still out there stating I didn't know anything about Hunter Biden's business, and yet eighty times Hunter Biden's business associates visited the pre- the vice president in the White House. Yeah, and that's official setting. Mm-hmm. And that's at the White House officially. Wow. <laughs> uh, and and so and then the other one is the um, uh, the. I guess it'd be the whistleblower, the White House stenographer, a right. former White House stenographer who right. came up and said, I was there when they were on the plane. On Air Force Two. Yep. And they're heading to Kiev. And I I was there for where the law breaking was. That was massive. And is the mainstream media covering that story at all? I really didn't check yesterday because there were I didn't so many things going on. But I don't know that it, that I was because deliberately looking because that for was because this is the guy who's saying I want to talk under oath about this. I've told the FBI about it. They won't interview, and it's you know, uh, I, I think Comer is just you know probably he he needs to you know get more tissues because he's salivating consistently. Yeah. Right. Uh, on this one because it's bad i mean it's it's when you see this you've got the problem is you have people that are that have no reason no reason to lie there's no reason for them to lie to the fbi there's no reason for them to be involved in this at all like this the former stenographer there's no reason for him to do it except he believes 
he witnessed a crime. Bob Yulinski, he had to get, he had to get, my God, he had to get um, security to protect his family and everything mm-hmm. else. These people are willing to go under oath, and we know there's multiple people now willing to go under oath to do this. None of that existed for Trump. None of it. No. None of it. No. And the connecting of the dots to this type of influence peddling is just, it's it's mind-boggling when you think of it. This, it may be unprecedented in American presidential history. Since we're talking about things that are unprecedented, like <laughs> shouting, shouting questions, questions. No, let's talk about unprecedented. You, you, but you just hit something, and that is, what is missing from the, the, the Trump allegations? It is the countless people willing to come forward, not just Cohen on, you know, I mean, I know because they're on, we're talking about anything and everything they're throwing at Trump. Cohen. Well, but look at Cohen's history and his behavior. Based on what prosecutors say he did. So is he credible? Well, the Bragg case is going nowhere. From the beginning, right? It was when Cohen's office got raided, it was, oh, he's going to flip. And there's, it's clear he has a vendetta. There's no doubt. But where are the countless witnesses that are saying, look, this is what happened here like what you see now with the Biden and, and Hunter thing, you know, evolving daily, it seems like. Yeah. It's moving really very quickly. That stenographer right really has nothing. It doesn't matter politically how he votes or who he supports. If you're saying I'm willing to go on record, I'm willing to go under oath to do this. Then he's saying that I know that I risk going to jail. He risks the the idea of lying to the FBI the, or the, the crime of lying to the FBI. Why would he do that? 86690-RED-EYE. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the -the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carling. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. If uh, you would like to uh, get into the, uh, the the show, we would love to hear from uh, you. Yeah, come on in. Come on in. Um, interesting looking at that case uh, with Shira. Um, and this is um, the the person who was arrested on the leaks. The Hill makes the case, and it stood out because of the Hillary case, on the Espionage Act, that the Espionage Act isn't just about classified information. It's about sharing any information that relates to national defense. And I thought, well, my gosh, then, you know, that whole re- no reasonable prosecutor thing with, um, with Comey. Um, and it just I, I thought, wow, you know, that was so it, it was just so poorly handled. But you look at the case with Tashira and it is kind of like what we suspected based on the stories that that we brought yesterday you have a young guy, turns out he wasn't 25, as the source was saying he's 21, according to authorities. Uh, he's an airman, a very young airman, apparently still living with his parents, uh, and served in the National Guard. Uh, and in the 102nd Airborne Wing of the National Guard there in Massachusetts, uh, the I'm sorry. The Intel Wing, not Air, I said Airborne, uh, Intel Wing in the Air Force, in the Air Force National Guard, they're in, in uh, Massachusetts. And it makes you wonder how many individuals have access to the information that he had access to. The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, Let's go to Rick in Kentucky. The most the most frequent question that I get or statement that I get, it. I don't know about you, Eric, but I get probably 10 times a week mm. to the point where you're like, I'm sort of sick of trying to answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> Rick has the same uh, statement. We go to Rick in Kentucky. Rick, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you doing, guys? Good. Love your Good. show. Thanks. Thanks. So give me a second. I'm, I'm going to have a little bit of a rant, but I think it'll make sense in, in the long run. <laughs> All right. <go> so, <laughs> I am a Republican, and I listen to all the radio and television networks affiliated, from, you know, based on Republicans. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that network, so I'll leave that out. That's fine. And well, yeah, we don't every night, every, every day, I, all I hear about is, something that's more stupid than the day before you know but as a republican what really irritates me is the fact that it seems like all of the everything that i listen to we're talking about you know transgender we're talking about guys dressed up like women being put on beer cans um documents found all over the place you know connecting the dots like you guys were talking about earlier with hunter biden and the, the laptop you hear about this stuff day after day after day. I'll tell you right now, as a Republican, I am completely in Democrats. I already, I mean, we get it. They're they're liars. They're state. I mean, they lie, steal, cheat, anything that they can do, and it goes on day after day. I'm actually more aggravated right now with Republicans because nothing whatsoever has been done. You know, I listen to Jim Comer, which I love the guy from Kentucky. 
I love the guy. He has this comes on and talks about he has evidence that connecting to uh, the virus of China. You know, Jim Jordan. I'll be honest with you. I was listening to you guys the other night. And I wanted to call in, but I didn't have time. And you guys were talking about the five thousand dollars in federal money in the Trump case. You know, I was so aggravated. I mean, again, we got the Trump deal where he paid off a porn star, supposedly. I mean, allegedly. We're dealing, when you look at the stuff that this country is talking about on a daily basis, it's a joke when we've got major countries that are aligning together. I mean, we're destroying ourselves anyway, and they got, they're aligning to be able to finish us off. And that just is, is, I mean, nothing is being done about anything. Okay. All right. This is, as I, as I said, as I prefaced before you called, this is the most frequent comment that we get from Republicans. And as you know, if you listen to this show, we have no problem when we believe that we're right, uh, criticizing Republicans, Trump, anybody, if we believe we're right. So I will say this right now. I think it's too early to be critical of Republicans, especially on the Hunter Biden thing. Remember, the reason that a lot of things hasn't been done is because we have a Department of Justice that is controlled by Democrats. You have the Senate that's controlled by Democrats and you have the House that's or you have the the executive branch that's controlled by Democrats. Republicans have only been in power for less than three months. You have the Department of Justice. You have uh, the uh, the executive branch constantly trying to keep information uh, that the Republicans want from them. They're in the process of getting it. If the Republicans have done nothing a year from now, I think on the Hunter Biden situation, I think you have a reason at that point to be upset. I don't believe you should be upset now. I understand the impatience because we've known about all this stuff for years, but the Republicans have only been in power a short time. Now let's look at something else. Let's look, for example, you mentioned the liberal transgender activist movement that exists in society. Look how many of the Republican states, because this is what it's going to take, a lot of the movement of where Republicans are going are in the states. Look how many states have come around and said, okay, no men playing women's sports. Uh, you know, it's, it's gotten stronger and stronger. That's coming from the state level, though, not the federal level, as it should come from the, from, uh, uh, the, the state level. When you look, for example, now you have, and this is really, this isn't talked about enough, you now have over 50% of the states now, over 50%, uh, I think when, I forgot who just did it here in the last couple of uh, weeks, uh, but uh, over 50% of the states now are constitutional carry. I would have never thought I'd seen that in my lifetime. Right. Ever. I never yeah. thought I'd see that. Yeah. So there are improvements being made. A lot of them are being done in the state level and the federal level. We have, that's why we've said it's so important you have to win the elections. That's why when Republicans don't communicate effectively, Eric and I are furious. We're furious because if you communicate to the public, if you look at every single poll, every single poll, for example, shows people agree way more with Trump. Even Democrats agree more with Trump than they do the actual issues of the Democratic Party. Every poll shows that. Independents also agree with it. You've got to communicate it effectively. To us, that's the frustrating part of it. And I will say because I've seen Jim Jordan so long rail against, remember he was in the minority though, when I've seen people like Jim Jordan and then Trey Gowdy, how they were railing against what the Democrats were doing and railing against the, what they view as corruption in the Biden administration. Remember, mo- the vast majority of that time, they were in the minority. So they could 
All you could do is talk about it. But the first thing that you have to do, though, is you have to get the truth out there. That's the stage that we're at right now. We're at the stage of getting the truth out there with Republicans in the majority. If a year from now they haven't done anything, then I think you have, or in six months, if there's no movement at all. Uh, but every day when you're getting new information, there's huge information that comes out. I mean, that 80 visits really hurt the Biden administration. A year from now, if they've done nothing and haven't held hearings, I think you have a legit point. Because yeah, at, at right. that point, Hunter Biden should be subpoenaed and, and everybody should be, because that's all the Republicans really can do. You subpoena everybody, you have the hearings. But if you have the hearings, you want to make sure that your T's are crossed and your lowercase J's uh, are uh, dotted. <laughs> and, and this is, and, and Rick, things don't always move as fast as we want them to move. Uh, because if you believe something and to be true, then you look at it and say, well, why doesn't everybody else see it? Why aren't they acting on it? Uh, that is the truth. That is what's going on. I think Jack Tashira is one of those examples because uh, it would be because they, they moved in. And the story was early in the day when, when it came out that they moved in and they arrested him because he and they'd been uh, doing surveillance on him already. And you would ask yourself, well, why wouldn't they have moved on him before they moved on him because the media named him? Well, well, why did they wait for the media to name him uh, to move in if they knew it was him? There are reasons behind how things work in the government on all levels, including enforcement, including lawmaking, uh, including also oversight. All of it uh, takes time. And someone actually sent the, me the uh, question, sent me the the question and said, well, why do you think, uh, why were they waiting and not moving on Jack Tashira if the New York Times knew who he was and they knew who he was? Why didn't they move in? And I, I said, well, my best guess is that there's something else going on. They want to know who else is involved here. They're trying to find the entire uh, chain of custody of these documents. And that actually turned out to be true. They reported that later in the day. Those are the things that we well, don't see. Go ahead. If I could ask you this, it, let, let's just say they, they get everything on Hunter Biden and they find out all this information is true, okay? Yeah. How, how is that? Yeah. It, here's, here's my bigger concern. You're talking like, you know, within a year or six months and so forth. You know what? If Trump went up against Biden right now or anybody went up against Biden right now, I think that they would lose from the Republican Party. I don't care who it is. Because that's also fixed. We know that that's an issue. And I don't believe the Republicans are looking at that. You know, the, the ballast harvesting and harvesting. And no, I, last I, year. I, be, I believe. No, I believe that uh, I personally believe that right now, if it happened, that uh, uh, that uh, DeSantis, maybe Tim Scott, if he if, you know, because I believe he's running now. Uh, I believe that any major Republican outside of Trump would would beat Biden. Right. Look now. how hard Hillary works behind the scenes to make sure right. Donald Trump didn't win. She didn't win for a reason. And it wasn't that she was going, you know, going to go to jail, although she should have paid the price for the crime on, on the Espionage Act with her server. Well, but what did we learn? We learned uh, a lot from the 800-page Republican report on Benghazi. We learned a lot of things about the individual. And as a result of that, all of that as a collective, she didn't become president. I believe, those are the things. Those yeah. are the things where you can see, you can look back, but you can only do that with hindsight. I don't believe right now that Trump could beat Biden. Uh, Trump. I believe that in a year and a half he might be able to beat Biden. 
So, I mean, it's because he's in the midst of it right now, and that's in the news constantly. And, uh, you know, he was back, you know, Letitia James, whatever. Mm. And that's tough with independence. But I think another year and a half of inflation, another uh, bumbling, all the information that's been coming out already, you can tie. Right now, the Republicans can tie, you know, media-wise. There's nothing you can do in, unless you find the crime. You've got to... What you've got to do is you've got to find the the connect the dots to show that because this is where you get Biden. You get Biden where you can tie him into the fact that he did this at this particular date for this, uh, you know, for for this country and his family was enriched by that amount. But that is that's even a tough thing to do. What you get him in is tax evasion. The fact that all these things were done for him. Everything was done for the family, and they didn't pay the bill. They've already got Hunter Biden on what? What two million dollars? He he paid. We talked about it yesterday. He yeah. had, he got it paid back. A friend paid back what he owed, but he was evading his taxes. He didn't report it, mm. and that crime still exists there. So we know they have Hunter Biden on on uh, tax evasion. The Department of Justice is looking into that, and that's what you're looking into for the 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 president. With all this influence peddling happened, odds are you you know uh, if. He might have reported it. Who knows? Mm. I don't know if he reported it or not. But that's one thing. I wonder why the media hasn't been able to get more on that. Where were the payments specifically to them? I'm sure that's what Comer is looking at right now because that would be the final thing. You need to connect the dots as to where the payments actually went. And you've got, you know, you've got Hunter Biden. It came out yesterday again. Hunter Biden telling his, uh, was it his daughter, I think? That I don't want you to have to be like me and give half what I make to my to, right, to dad right, right. or to pops. Yeah, uh, and then the ten percent with Bobulinski. So we know that money made it to the president. You just got to prove that it made it to the president by their own, by their admission, by their communications. By Hunter Biden, money went to the president. Now you got to prove that money went to the president and he didn't report it. But also, if money went to the president and it came from China and they can prove that. That, I think, would destroy any chances of him winning in 2024. And, and and I would say, look at the progress of this entire event or set of events or this story surrounding Hunter Biden, Rick. That's an, another example. It started with the New York Post being shut out of social media. It started with the FBI having their influence on the on the people that owned and ran social media at the time, telling them that this is Russian disinformation and everything else. Now... It is a mainstream story, and that's because there's no way to hide the truth. What does it end up with? I don't know. I can't tell you that. Do people go to jail? Not sure. But we can tell you that there is definitely a shift, and if it is the truth, it will find the light. But, and yeah, it, we're, 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 I, it's in the – go, go ahead. Go ahead. If the media – you know – most of the media is going to be Democrat media. And I think my concern is not enough Democrats are going to be hearing the true story. Uh, the guy, the stuff that you guys talk about and on the Fox affiliates and all the rest of the Republican stuff, I'm afraid there's not enough Democrats that's going to listen to those stations to get this kind of information to say, well, wait a minute. I didn't know about that. They don't. They, they already know it. Even Democrats know that the president is culpable on influence peddling. The polls show it. And you don't really need the Democrats anyway. You need independents. And independents, vast majorities, believe that the 
Democrats believe that the Biden family enriched itself with Biden being uh, in Biden's political career and being vice president. So the beliefs already out there. The polls show it across the board. They show it for Democrats, massive for independents and massive for Republicans. So what you got to do is you've got to connect the dots and show that the money actually made it there. You know, here was the money transfers. Here was how it was done. And sometimes that takes a while to do. We're just running out of thanks, time. But thanks so much for call, calling. We really appreciate it. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. But I, by the way, I, uh, I'm... I will say this. I'm suspicious of the Republican Party, just like the last caller is. Uh, I don't think people should give up on them yet and the investigation here because, again, they've only been in office for less than three months. It takes time to put it together. And this is really this goes over a period of years and is multidimensional. But I'll still continue to criticize the Republican Party vehemently on messaging overall. Uh, We talked about this the other day. They seem to be able to. Think they can say thing something once, and then we're done with it. Yeah. And as we've stated mm-hmm. before, they should be marketing where they stand consistently. Yeah. And I've just I I think, you know, political parties tend to advertise only during election season. I don't. I think that's wrong. I think they should be advertising. I think the PACs. I think there should be a lot more money spent on basically all the major issues and all the things out there, and it should be constantly promoted on the internet yeah. and on TV. And they don't do it. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. All right, so I'm uh, reading here. We didn't spend a lot of time on this story just because there's a ton of other stories this week. Uh, but the uh, the story that uh, came out that uh, Biden uh, wants, was it, 67% of the automobiles sold by 2032 to be electric vehicles. Not hybrids now. Pure battery electric vehicles. Right. Is that possible? No. <laughs> it isn't. It's it's uh, it's funny because uh, reading Dominic Pino's column in the uh, National Review, gov- the government's own numbers show Biden's EV mandate is crazy. You know, they... That's only because it's crazy. <laughs> the, the the energy the energy department the the EIA Energy Information Agency, which is a part of the Energy Department, Biden's mm-hmm. Energy Department, has put out their projections. Yeah, and they say that you know, in the likely scenario that that gas prices don't go through the roof, mm-hmm. their projection is by twenty fifty, fourteen percent of vehicles will be electric vehicles at the most it would be 28 
And Democrats were talking about by that time, 100% of vehicles would be electric is what they want. But even if you want that, if you if you get 14% of vehicles, they still expect that we will be using at that time 40% more fossil fuels. Now, it'll only be making up 30% of the entire market. Coal will go down, according to the Energy Department. Coal use will, will go to nothing. Nuclear will continue to dip. Hmm. Hydro basically remain, geothermal, that remaining the same. Wind will have to go up, will go up, they believe, by 2050. 168% solar in order to just meet the demand for 14% of vehicles being electric vehicles, 684%. And that's about the maximum capacity they believe that we could get to that particular point by doing it. You know how much massive land you would need to do something like that? (laughs) Well, and And, and no one talks about what happens at night if you wish to charge at night. And the materials that you need to, to mine oh, right. exactly. in order to make the batteries and make the cars. And they're saying, where's all this electricity going to come? It's not going to be there. The power the for them is not there. going to be there. Right. And the minerals needed. That's not going to happen either. You know, but why not? Just throw it out. Well, as everything, you know, I saw another article, we'll get to that, the one on reparations, where the Democrats now are doubling down saying, stop worrying about where the money's going to come from. All that matters is that we virtue signaling in a more moral way than you do Mm -hmm. and trying to do the impossible. Yeah. Makes us better and more moral people by doing by promoting things and spending and throwing your taxpayer dollars down in the toilet, flushing it down the toilet because it's none of these things are going to work or even happen. But in the process of doing it, for example, in electricity, you're flushing it down the toilet is what you're doing. Yeah, You're skyrocketing people's costs. Mm-hmm. They can't do what they say they want to do, but they don't care. They'll still spend your taxpayer dollars on it. Why? Because doing the not being able to do the impossible makes them more moral people. Sure. That's where they stand right yeah. now. That's where they actually stand. On every single issue where they're insane. And there seems to be a certain, I don't know, badge of honor by promoting things that are impossible. We talked about, you know, the whole the whole Tennessee House. Look, the Second Amendment isn't going anywhere. No. If you're somebody who is truly concerned, you know, I saw the we we talked about Popovich from the San Antonio Spurs you know, going off on, you know, on on, uh, on Ted Cruz mm-hmm. and saying, you know, Cruz wants to put, you know, police officers, uh, you know, in, um, you know, in schools. That's his solution. What's yours? Yeah. Right. Tell me specific. Well, gun control. You- how much? Tell right. me precisely what. What are you going? What are you going to do? Are you going to are you stating that we need to uh, confiscate all weapons? That's not going to happen. I'm sure if Pop were to answer that he would say yes yes but that's not going to happen nope not gonna happen right it's not gonna happen what's your solution so what's the next best thing to do if you can't because even if i was i gotta make clear because when i say that sometimes people don't hear the 
you know, they, they don't know I'm being sarcastic here. But if I was completely for gun control and wanted zero guns. Yeah. See, here's the tough part. Here's the leap. I would still. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would still understand it can't happen today. What I'm saying is if. I'm delusional in one, and I can. I, and then should but, be delusional on the other. Thinking, yeah, on this the is, other, this yeah. is a, this is a, you can't have it both ways. But you, but you have to suspend reality so I can make my point. All right, just re- <laughs> yeah. When when describing how Democrats think or should at least think, you have to suspend reality. <laughs> but I would I would hope that even if I was fully gun control, I would understand that you can't get there because the amendment process. So what would I want to do? Well, I'd probably say, well, I think it's important that we put kids in, you know, we put we put police officers in schools. You know, that would be the deterrent, yeah, and it right. would keep them much, much safer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, is it perfect? No, because that's the one thing you hear. Well, are you saying that there will be no school attacks if there? No, I'm not saying that. Just like saying police officers, you know, uh, we... Some of the liberals are actually saying this a couple of years ago. We have all these police officers and the crime's still happening, so just get rid of all the police officers and uh, put psychiatrists on the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what you attempt to do, uh, and again, as we've talked about before, police don't necessarily stop all crimes. They investigate them afterwards. Yeah, and in the uh, case right. of a school shooter... Right. If and, there was a known presence of armed police officers on campus, right, then at least at the at the very least, the would be shooter would know well that they're going to meet resistance. And who has a better chance of stopping a crime? Actually, An armed stop- police officer? No, hmm. no, no. I'm talking about outside of, uh, of oh, schools. not in that scenario. Okay, an yeah. armed citizen. Yeah, sure, right. And and so the whole thing was you know Popovich going after Ted Cruz, and Ted Cruz said. Yeah, interesting. I'm paraphrasing here. Interesting Popovich talking about that. Somebody whose basketball games are protected all over the place by armed police and security guards. Mm -hmm. Is he screaming that they need to be, that that's an immoral thing to do for basketball? Yet for our schools, it's it's okay for basketball, but it's outrageous for schools. Well, Popovich is not an intellectual Einstein. He may know the X's and O's of basketball, but that's apparently where it ends. Apparently. Uh, and, 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 and you know, this emotional argument, because he started the other day with, you know, the, the, the media in the room. How many of you have a gun on you right now? I mean... Which you was know, a dumb question because a, you can't you can't take a gun into those. Well, it's uh, in it, Dallas you can. I mean they've they've got det- it, right. metal detectors and everything. So I mean it's right. And if the building has it posted, then you're not you can't carry inside that building. It, right. And he knows all these things, and he's just being a moron. Yeah. Spouting off is not logic. It's spouting off. And and so, but across the board, it said you know the in the. Tennessee House, there are things you could do to make schools safer. But what they wish to do is the impossible now. And if they can't do the impossible now, they wish to stop the process of democracy because they want the impossible now. Yeah, And, right. you know, they won't negotiate to actually make and protect kids now. They wish to get the impossible. And if they can't get the impossible, then they rage and they shut down democracy. And to them, that's their virtue signaling. 
because they can then say to themselves, my issue is more important than your issue, and therefore I am protecting democracy by shutting down democracy. That seems to be their logic. Most people will say, well, that actually isn't logical. Right. But across the board, you see it now, and that's why I think, you know, whether it's gun control, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's um, uh, energy here, uh, we can run the entire system on solar and wind. No, you can't. Yes, we can, and we're going to do it. It's impossible. It's scientifically, it's uh, uh, it's physically and scientifically impossible. You can't do it. Well, see, you're being negative. I'm saying I we can do it, and so we're going to shut down all these things, and we're going to do it. No, you're just being stupid. You're being an idiot. You're idiot. You're, you're being, being delusional. You're being delusional. You're lying to yourself. But that's okay. Lying to yourself is okay. Pretending the truth in science doesn't exist is okay. Because for a liberal, it shows they are of higher morality. It's part of the virtue signaling that's become part of the Democratic Party. Let's promote the impossible and it shows I care more. Mm -hmm. Because they're not looking for a solution. No, they're not looking for a solution. No. They're looking to be activists. They're looking for disruption. And, and by the way, Democrats actually know this. I mean, uh, Roy uh, Tejera, who uh, is a Democrat uh, and has been for the longest time. In fact, I think he was doing some work for National Review and said, you know, people were upset at him. He goes, yeah, but National Review lets me actually, you know, say what I want. <laughs> right. But this is where he's been running for the longest time. He's a liberal, an old school liberal, the mm-hmm. liberal patriot. The working class isn't down with green transition. And this is the entire thing where he talks about the fact that the Democrats don't even realize it on the whole climate change thing. The working class doesn't care. It's an elite issue. And he says nothing defines a Democratic economic strategy more than the single-minded focus on fighting climate change. Uh, the An existential crisis, as Biden and other top Democrats and a galaxy of Democratic-leaning pundits have termed it. In practice, this has meant restructuring the economy around green in- industries and a rapid transition to an energy system based around wind and solar. Democrat elites and activists are very, very committed to this approach and willing to pay high costs to make it happen. In the end, they assert not only will the existential crisis be averted, but everyone will be happy and prosperous. In the meantime, well, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. Hmm. But did anyone ask the working class whether they wanted to sign up for the climate change army? Public opinion data have repeatedly indicated that climate change does issue does not have high salience for these voters and they are not terribly interested in making sacrifices for the cause. Recent data underscore these voters' lack of commitment. The latest Monmouth poll that came out just the other day, uh, just 1% of working class non-college voters in an open-ended question identify climate change as the biggest concern facing their family. On the other hand, half of working class voters say actions of the federal government in the last six months have actually hurt their family's main concern. Only 9% says federal action has helped. And 55% of working-class voters believe that middle-class families have not been helped by Biden's policies. Hmm. The Biden administration is putting on a full-court press for electric vehicles, but the working class is not too interested. In the new Gallup poll, just 2% of working-class respondents say they currently own an electric vehicle, and only 9% say they are seriously considering purchasing one. The University of Chicago's Energy Policy Institute, in collaboration with the Associated Press uh, NORC has been doing an annual survey on climate attitudes. This year's survey finds less, not more urgency 
around climate change. Compared to the high point in 2018, there was an 11-point drop in the proportion of Americans overall among those with high school education or less saying climate change is caused entirely or mostly by human activity. And they just, you know, go on all the different, you know, surveys there and uh, and saying, um, uh, you know, the middle class is going to get screwed. Hmm. So, uh, Ultimately, you know, there, this, this is what it comes down to. In our transitions over the years in terms of energy sources, it's always been in an effort to find a more efficient source, not a more costly yeah. source. First time in American history we're doing this. Ever. Yes. Yep. First time and ever. in order to build out everything, the, the infrastructure for the delivery of this, uh, the energy source, but also what you would need to, how you would need to completely revamp the automobile industry. It would be on a massive scale that we have never accomplished, even with a profit motive. He says here that uh, he extrapolated the analysis, all of it. Now, this is a guy's a Democrat, lifelong Democrat. This suggests 30 percent of working class Americans today would be willing to pay one dollar a month to fight climate change. And then you're talking about ten dollars a month, working class support, 18 percent. That's pretty low. I just don't see how you get the working class to support a clean energy transition unless it becomes more of a crusade for abundant, cheap, reliable energy and less about the cultural commitment of college-educated Democrats to an economy built around wind, solar, and electric vehicles no matter the cost. The working class is not on board uh, with the latter, uh, though it could be interested in the former. So all depends on the cost, again. An energy approach, an energy abundance approach would recognize that, in fact— Biden has done the right thing by uh, greenlighting the Willow Oil drilling project in Alaska. Of course, the climate activists uh, and pundits are furious and denunciations are pouring in. But then again, that was that was symbolic. That was symbolic. We're not talking about any impact. Yeah, we're talking about that was was symbolic. But again, he know the the whole point is he recognizes as a Democrat that they're losing. And this is the whole thing. They don't care about the working class person. They don't care about people in cities. They don't care about you. Right. They don't care if they sympathize with the criminal more than they do you. Right. It's where they are. No interest in the working class at all in this country. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. And getting back to, to the uh, caller we had last hour that was talking about the fact that, you know, Republicans just aren't moving forward. Uh, I've seen a lot of the, uh, I spent a lot of times, one of, one of the best things of not getting, actually paying the money not to get the commercials on YouTube. Mm. Oh, there's so much mm-hmm. from Congress and so mm-hmm. many clips you can watch from so many different sites. So I've watched a lot of the hearings with Republicans in there, and they're making all the right arguments on energy. Understand, though, and we stated this when the Republicans took the House, the only thing the Republicans can do is, in the House, from a position of authority, communicate more effectively because they get to run the committees. But they have to market what they're saying on a consistent, you know, on a consistently. 
Uh, and that's all they can do for the next two years. They don't have the Senate. They don't have the House. Right. The one thing you first have to do is communicate effectively. And I know everybody's going, oh, just groaning, going, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. And that's the frustrating thing for us. I don't like saying it over and over again, but it's the truth. On every single major issue, people uh, uh, people agree with Republicans. On every single major issue that exists out there and they disagree with Democrats. What's happening? Why aren't you winning? You're not effectively communicating your message. you got to be able to sell End it. And it's not a hard sell. No, it's not at all. It no. has to be consistent. So that's frustrating. So we'll see where that gets us in two years. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the one thing uh, over the years that's been our most consistent uh, criticism of the of the party itself. But imagine opening a new store. And then just putting a, a just a generic sign on the on the front door. Stuff. Yeah. Actually, I might go into store. the store. Actually, store. Because if it said stuff, I might walk in. Right. Stuff. Well, what that's interesting. Stuff, right. <laughs> but store. Yeah. <laughs> store. Okay. All right. You got to advertise. You got to get the message out. You got to sell it. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. 86690 Red Eye. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. I just want to play. This is economist Kevin O'Leary on Fox News yesterday talking about since the electric vehicle uh, delusion that's being uh, promoted. Well, you guys aren't optimistic. We believe in doing the impossible. And the impossible means that we get to virtue signal. It means we care about the, the world more than you do because we're trying to save the planet. Okay. Now let me get serious here. Uh, let's get I, – sorry, I got into my, uh, my uh, uh, liberal mindset there mm. for a moment. Mm. But uh, here's Kevin O'Leary on Fox News yesterday talking about it. The way I look at it is very simple. In five years from now, will we need more oil or less? In my view, in my opinion as an investor, more. In 10 years from now, will the globe need more oil? My answer is more. Now, if you're going to use oil to get energy independence, you have to have some way of refining it. We haven't built a new refinery in America in decades. And the refineries we have are old technology that aren't necessarily that clean. There's all kinds of new technology that sequesters carbon, makes the production of oil, distillates, diesel, jet fuel, etc., much more productive and much cleaner. And where you can find this out is just go to China. They just commissioned a $14 billion refinery. So they have a view that they want energy independence. They have to import oil, but they have to refine it. Now, I don't know about the issue around uh, eliminating hydrocarbons from our economy. I think that's a fantasy. Uh, I think it's admirable, but it's unrealistic. And I think what is a good bipartisan issue is energy independence. And so, you know, I'm looking for something to do. (laughs) And I think building a refinery is a big monumental task. It won't be easy to do this, but I know how to do it. By the way, I would disagree with you. He said it's, you know, their thought process is admirable. admirable. It's not. Well, it's no, not. it isn't. It's not. If you're going to live because in a, it's not thoughtful. Yeah, if you live in a delusional world, 
that is not thoughtful. It's not. It's not cool. It's not a better morality. It's frankly delusional and stupid. Because you're diving into something you know is not going to work, and it's only going to hurt the lower and middle class. Ultimately, they will be filling the pinch. And you're not solving the problem that you claim you wish to solve. Right. Because we found that out already. Right. We found that out when Biden came in. Look, we found it out with ethanol. The -hmm. first big push to clean the environment was ethanol. And we were early on that, and man, we were criticized, were we not, Eric? Yeah, we were. We were criticized severely for it, and we but were from right. Farm to pump mm-hmm. wasn't being measured properly. The impact right. wasn't there by their own standards. By their own standards, yeah, because it was the uh, when uh, the the bill passed in uh, two th- late uh, two thousand. 2001, 2002? No, 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 no. Legislation passed like I, I was working with you. When uh, when Bush signed it, like in December of two thousand seven, I think it was. Oh, on the, on the mandate, on the ethanol mandate, okay. yes. Yeah. And then the environmentalist by March of two thousand eight came out and said, "Oops, we shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Oops, we actually did the science. It doesn't help." And then when Al Gore Al Gore came out in, in twenty ten and admitted that he lied about it, mm-hmm. he lied about ethanol in order to get elected, right? And so we spent a decade perpetuating lies. We were telling you the truth. Didn't matter. So this whole, which and, and the mandate which exists today. Mm-hmm. And you have politicians still talking about because we need to subsidize this because we help, we help the farmers. Well, yeah, that's how we should help. That's how we make a better economy. Taxpayer dollars to go to produce a product that nobody is asking for in order to create jobs. I think there's a better way of creating jobs. There's. There, and, and there are a ton of better ways. Yeah. And in this case, there's not a demand. No, there's no for uh, EVs to the extent of. Uh, here's here's the thing. The, the administration and the left in general, they're talking out of both sides constantly. They'll tell you we need a mandate to drive this and also tell you it's not a problem because everybody's going that way anyway. Let the demand drive it. Let the private sector fulfill it. Yeah. But that's not enough because what happens is you try, like with healthcare, you try to get the private sector on their knees so big government can swoop in. Banking, recent example. Let me ask you this question. If the government never said anything about electric vehicles, how many would be produced in the United States every year in 2023? Without the without the standards already in place, I, not not st- with nothing. Government never promoted right, it. It right. never came up as an issue. That's, that's at what all. I mean. If right. if there were no standards already no in standards. place, where would you see that? You you might see some elite automaker making electric vehicles for half a million a year of half a million as a status symbol for the rich who yeah. el- who would who else would be making novelty it? novelty it would be novelty yes the big OEMs aren't going to be involved in that they lose money on it right it isn't going to be profitable no. without the federal government right. stepping in so when they state that people are buying it anyway and so the mandate 
doesn't matter, that's a lie. Right. The mandate is critical. The mandate and subsidies are critical because the public actually doesn't want it. Right. And then lithium, cobalt, everything that you need to mine to make the cars and the batteries. Here's the other thing, too, I was thinking of. Mm. Did we? Nobody's ever put this into perspective because I did see – I did see it. Oh, I just saw the headline of a study where someone said that uh, the public is against urban sprawl, whatever that means. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, urban sprawl. Does that mean downtown areas? Does that mean suburbs growing larger because people are actually being uh, want to live in the suburbs now? They want to move out of the larger cities. But with this move out of the larger cities and less dependence on public transportation, people moving out of the cities means they're going to need a car. Mm-hmm. People don't want to live in the big cities anymore. No. Because the big cities are run by liberal Democrats that have insane policies across the board. You're already seeing that, you know, they're looking at how to, you know, how to support the the uh, the, the subway system in New York City. They don't know how they're going to do it. Right. If you can't get it done in New York. No. Then you can't tell me and, how you get it done. You know, and, and, and that's the, but. And electric vehicles are way less practical once you live outside of a city. Oh, yeah. Right. So everything's going in the opposite direction. But they sell it with, they sell it with lies. They sell it with, you know, delusion. Mm-hmm. Remember when the hybrids first came out and they were promoting the fact that this hybrid gets <laughs> 250 miles per gallon. They were the plug-in hybrids. Right. It's like, well... What you're saying is if you plug it in the beginning of the day and right. then plug it in when you get to work right. and then you drive it around and use a little bit of gas, you're, you're using, you're, you're not counting all the energy that's going into it. Right. It's, it's a lie. That's why they had to move away from that. Yeah. And now they use mileage and range. Right. Right. The bat with the but battery, even that right. varies. But, yeah. Well, the full electric vehicle, it would be range. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, the uh, <laughs> I'll never forget though they tried to get away with that lie. They have to sell it with lies, and as we said, with climate change, constantly lies, and the public keeps accepting it. But do they, or is it just the elite rich? When you see that the average working person doesn't buy into it, it's something that's really being sold by the elite rich, which again gets back to a delusional narrative fantasy that they seem to be living in across the board, whether it's energy, whether it's biological sex, whether it's the border, Mm -hmm. whether it's the fact, oh, solar and wind can run our entire grid. Everything is completely delusional, and for some reason they believe they're on a higher plane of morality if everything that they believe is delusional. Right. Well, it does justify doing acid and then... I'm on a higher morality. I'm definitely on a higher morality. I'm on acid and I'm delusional about everything. My whole life is an illusion and I believe in all delusions. I'm better than you. The the used car market, if we were to get close to these mandates, it would be so out of range for people to, the average person to buy a vehicle, a gas-powered vehicle. It would be through the roof. Because if the mandate, if, if, there, if there were a federal mandate on all new vehicles, that they must be electric. 
Now, here's the thing. In the past, they've gone with CAFE standards. The average mileage in the fleet needs to be this, the MPGs. Then it went to the number of units manufactured. Now they're moving on to the number of units sold. Well, the sale requires two parties, not just the manufacturer. It requires a buyer. And so if you look at, you know, the offerings can be one thing and the market be vastly different. What you're offering to your, the consumer of your product, you may think is a brilliant idea. Ask Mark Zuckerberg if it actually does pan out that people want what you're trying to sell. And you know where it's driving my mind right now? Now, I'm 10 years older than you. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm... all right, when's this going to go into effect? When's it going to get too expensive? <laughs> in my mind, it's like, when am I going to buy my last gas-powered vehicle? <laughs> no, it goes I mean... to my mind now. When's... When will be the, well, be the time then... to buy my last? And I'll continue to drive this one. The, the new one I won't drive at all. I'll just drive it for when I'm retired down the road when I'm not putting a lot of miles on it. But I'm trying to figure when to buy my last gas-powered vehicle Unless the damn Republicans can win an election. Yeah. Good and luck. slow it down for a while. Uh-huh. And they would only be tapping the brakes. But we'll get to a point where it will be impossible because the mining won't be there. And yeah, yeah, you're it, right. Yeah, There are uh, many analysts now more and more talking about the California mandate for 2035 saying that's not reachable. Even for Cal- just one state. It's not reachable. Being a no. huge state, but. It's not reachable. They're, it's not attainable, and they'll have to kick the can down the road. Well, and the thing is, too, with the with the left, this is the beautiful. This is the perfect liberal circular firing squad mm-hmm. doing everything to fight all the mining for all the materials needed for batteries and for electric vehicles. There's going to be a problem there because all of our reliance is going to be now on China. Think about that. And it's funny because it was the Democrats who just a few years ago, remember, were screaming that we shouldn't be reliant on anybody else's oil. Mm -hmm. The Middle East, all the wars are caused over oil. It's all oil, oil. This is horrible. Oil. We shouldn't be fighting over oil. We shouldn't be dependent on oil. And now all Democrats wish to be dependent on China. Yeah. Well, and how many other nations for all the materials? Yeah. You talk about the, uh, the the viral situation for the videos coming out of the cobalt mines. Yeah. And then you look at lithium for the batteries. All right. Well, uh, are you going to for there's we have very little lithium relatively. Uh, Chile has a lot. <laughs> Afghanistan has some. I'm sure the current leaders of Afghanistan would be more than willing. Uh, Where do you have to go to get it? And even if you could, even if mining in, you know, global mining were accessible, is there enough in order to get to the goal in the U.S. alone? Because if the U.S. were, is to adopt this policy, Tell me Europe doesn't follow. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. 
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, if you'd like uh, to get into the uh, uh, show, coming up uh, also, the delusion on reparations continues, Eric. Look at that. California reparations panel said total cost is the least important aspect. Now, this is despite, now this is the California one that's now up to $800 billion. Yeah, right. 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 Now, and that's if they're doing the 360000 but as you saw, more activists now want $7.6 million per reparations recipient. So I think they're laying the uh, the groundwork for that one. Maybe that's why. Maybe Newsom wants out. Maybe Newsom says, look, <laughs> I got to be, this, this state's so screwed up, <laughs> I'm going to have to, the legislature might pass a million dollars for reparations and I have to veto it. And I want to be there to veto it. It's time for me to try to become president. Yeah, and right. Screw it up yeah. on the national no, I, level. I, I've been thinking that all along. Eh, it's time to leave. I got to get out of town. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. If you would like to uh, get in, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, so here's the latest story. A member of the California Reparations Task Force is dismissing the total dollar amount as the least important piece of their proposal, despite the committee considering doling out nearly triple the state's existing budget in payments. We want to make sure that this is presented out in a way that does not reinforce the preoccupation with a dollar figure. (laughs) Well, then how can you assign a dollar figure to it (laughs) on what to pay? Which is the least important piece of this, said Cheryl Grills, a clinical psychologist and member of the California Reparations Task Force, told uh, Cal Matters in a new interview. It's important, continued Grills, but it's the least important in terms of being able to get to a point in our country's history and in California's history where we recognize the harm that cuts across multiple areas and domains and that the repair needs to align with that. By the way, as a believer in federalism, we believe that uh, California should go full bore on this. No, listen. We believe that you should set the trend and yes, and 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 prove to everyone that it can be done. The uh, current uh, budget for California is three hundred billion a year. This would be eight hundred billion dollars. This would be at the three hundred and sixty thousand amount that they wish to give uh, uh, to um, the $360 billion, I think, is one that would add up to $800 billion. At least that was the latest that they had until the activists came in and said, no, that's not enough, based on San Francisco wanting to do $5 million. Some of the activists upped it then 
California across the board to 7.6 million. Yeah. Not just San Francisco, but the entire all state. of yes, all of California. Right. Why haven't I seen a poll on this with the specific numbers? You don't need to. Everybody loves it. 100% of Californians agree. Now you let's can, move on. It. You can only interview, you can only poll those that have to pay. Mm, right. Ooh. Because I seven, guarantee those who are eligible to receive, I know what that polling number is going to be. Because 100%. In, <laughs> in San Francisco, with the 5 million, it was going to cost the the average taxpayer household what six hundred six hundred thousand dollars? Yes, a year, right? No, just six hundred thousand overall. overall. Okay. Right, right. Now I don't know if that covers though. That was six hundred thousand, I believe, just for the five million. I don't think that Not included the, the ninety-seven thousand yeah. dollars in tax-free salaries for mm-hmm. the next two hundred and fifty years. Mm-hmm. So, if you do seven over seven million. For the entire state. Why haven't they done a cost analysis on that yet? Well, because... Somebody in the media has had to have... Because I'm doing it for you right now on my phone calculator. You are? Yes. I'm sure it's going to be accurate then. Uh, Okay. We're thousands, millions. I I have it. Yeah. Are you ready? No. No. Yes, it, it will cost California if they do the seven point six million in reparations times one point eight million eligible recipients, thirteen trillion six hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Why aren't we doing it already? Yes, and by we I mean California. Right? Why? Because if San Francisco's five million, mm-hmm. you're more moral if you do seven point six million. Mm-hmm. You are on a higher virtue signaling morality perch. That's right. We're using perch. Yes. Because of Kirby last week. Because, it's a new word. Because it's how you see things from your perch. Mm-hmm. So, yes. 13, Over $13 trillion. $13.68 Round it off to $14 trillion. Yeah. Right. Administrative costs. I don't know why all California res- there should be protests. Californians should be saying fourteen trillion is not enough. Now, if you do the Keynesian economics, that means California <laughs> alone would see a return in their economy of roughly twenty two, twenty three trillion dollars. <laughs> This would help. How the, are you not right. doing this? This, this would yet. this would help the economy. And yes. by the way, Eric is for people that don't know. I, that's why I started laughing. I picked up on it. I go, where did he come up with this twenty? Oh, that's right. I have a Keynesian for, calculator. For every over here. dollar spent, you get a dollar uh, fifty in, in economic return. output. Right. right. So, California would have. The same GDP as the entire United States with California. Right. Using Keynesian economics. Right. Which means. Keynesian calculator. Which means dropping acid. By the way, 
The only reference I can have is going back to the 60s and acid. It's, it's, yeah, why not? If you want to get delusional or uh, or just hallucinate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by, <laughs> this isn't microdosing. This is macrodosing. <laughs> by our math with feelings plus acid. Yes. We and don't ask with, me what my feelings are after the acid. We've have, exactly we've come up with twenty three, yeah, trillion dollars in economic output. You How, would you would lead California you, by Keynesian economics. You would lead the world. Lead you the would world. have the best economy out there. Oh my gosh! You can set the example for everyone, right? So Red Eye Radio being on the forefront of social justice and math and math <laughs> is, and economics and Keynesian economics, uh-huh. we are and, suggesting and hallucinating. Yes, yes, we're we're going with the seven. We're we're going for the seven point six million in reparations. Yeah, and while we're at it, uh, an extra. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. Trillion dollars uh, to uh, fix any type of uh, drainage uh, drainage trench that might be viewed as a pothole. Yeah, listen to me. It's not an access tunnel. Listen, listen. Don't go in there. There's gas in there. You think? What do you think, Arnold? It's, it's like they, they go to his door, like. Uh, Governor, yeah. What do you want to me? You want to take a picture with a hero? No. Uh, <laughs> we need to tell you that wasn't a pothole. Well, it's not a pothole. It's filled now. It's a street. <laughs> no, it was never a pothole. Of course, it was a pothole. Everyone knows it was. It was. It was a pothole. Anybody get no. the feeling that I really didn't uh, care to talk about the pothole whatsoever? I just wanted to have Eric it was, do uh, his Arnold Schwarzenegger because it's Friday. Come on. We only got a little time left. SoCal Gas was working on the gas line <laughs> and they needed access to the gas line. So they created that culvert to be the, listen to me, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> We just ask that in the future you not not be a hero. I don't know how to do that. It's it's not I'm going to be a hero. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to Home Depot right now to get some dirt. You're the disease. I'm the cure. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Just for the drop. I don't know why when you do Arnold, I think of uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And uh, I can't think of the name of that movie. Uh, Judge Dredd. No, 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 no. But, no. Oh. It was one where, uh, oh, I can't think of it. He rides up in the motorcycle, and there's the guy killing everybody in the supermarket. Cobra. 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 Yeah. yeah. You're the disease. I'm the cure. <laughs> I'm going to blow this whole place up. I don't shop here anyway. <laughs> and, and when the guy's got everybody hostage bag, it looks like in the, the back meat section, and he's sitting there around the corner, and he grabs the beer. <laughs> yeah. He starts taking a sip of the beer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but whenever you do Arnold, I think of Sylvester Stallone and Cobra. I don't know why. No, they, no idea they've why. worked together before. And uh, by the way, I've never seen that full movie. 
Cobra? Yes. Yeah. I've, I've just, I've just seen, I've never seen it. I've just ever. seen the first part of it, the supermarket scene, and then it's like, mm. eh, okay, it's taking too long to develop. S- sort of like, so I married an axe murderer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you get past the prison scene. And right. Yeah. A, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you watch the first half hour of that movie. We, we both, right. and we, you're good. And we both did the same thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, so there's the California Reparations Panel says the total cost least important despite the potential $800 billion uh, uh, price tag. You know, the thing is, the, you know why it's funny? Because on all these issues, whether it's energy that we've talked about today, whether it's electric vehicles, whether you have the energy for the electric vehicles, uh, the the uh, electric vehicles, which clearly we don't. The sign shows that we, uh, we don't. Uh, you can take, uh, uh, you know, reparations on this. Uh, everything here that we talk about is is uh, basically you're dealing with children. Yeah, you're dealing with children that say, yeah. "I don't care. I just want what I want. I don't care about the reality of it." Right. And I think that's really the interesting thing. You're dealing with the mentality of children. Right. No, I'm not, and and uh, and on the liberal transgender activist movement, the same thing. You're dealing with children. You yeah. know, they're throwing a fit because you won't buy into their imaginary friend. Right. Which is her imaginary friend is is uh, the fact that a biological man could be a biological female because they say so. I mean, it's all it's childish. That's really the thing about it is the children, the children have a tremendous amount of influence on the adult civilization that we live in. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They cry. So what do you do? Appease them. Crime, defund the police. Everybody knew it was going to happen. It was a childish solution. Yep. Childish. Defund the police. <laughs> the little kids. Well, we can get away with a lot more stuff if the parents aren't there. And since we're the criminals, we like being, we like the criminals. We like the criminals over the people that want law and order. Right. That's the way children think. Right. And it's right. working perfectly. it's but but here's the thing you got to get to the point of ending this whole debate on california and reparations you got to get to the action part of it the lawmakers have to vote on it oh you saw the next the the newest one now Mm. the california bill yeah. Here's a headline. Horrible bill banning police dogs from being used in arrest would embolden criminals, Sheriff says. Yeah. California Sheriff criticized lawmakers who want to keep police dogs from going after suspected criminals or being used during protest, causing canine or calling canines uh, an important, less lethal option for law enforcement. One of uh, uh, one of our biggest successes and biggest tools to de-escalate situations is the deployment of canines, which is absolutely true. Oh, yeah. It's ab- yeah. absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. AB 742 would prohibit police dogs, uh, police from using dogs to apprehend a suspect or for crowd control. I mean, the insanity just continues. Then, just then you continues. have, at that point, zero crowd control. Yeah. If you can't use dogs, you can't have weapons. And it's, you know, over and over again, the idea to basically take the tools away from law enforcement. 
but that's the mentality of people. They don't want, you know, they, 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 the activists are shouting that, well, too many people are getting hurt. Statistics from the California Department of Justice show no use of force injuries involving police dogs during civil disorder or assemblies in 2020 or 2021. Yeah, I would love to see the stats. Yeah. Now, there's an intimidation factor. There's a huge intimidation Man, factor you, there. Man, you want to see a suspect quickly change well, well, no. their tactics. Here's a, here's the thing. If I'm going to think like a criminal, mm-hmm. I can outrun the cop. You're not going to outrun that dog. Not going to outrun the dog, exactly. No. No. So what do you do? You give up. Right. And get the dog off of me, please. Yeah. Call him down. Yeah. You give up. Yep. Yep. That's, that's easy. It makes it easier. It makes it so you have less of a chance of lethal force being used by a police. This shows you how everything that the left believes is counter to what they claim they want. Yeah. Right. I saw that one yesterday. I said, here we go again. We're dealing with the children again. Well, just abolish the police. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. And then, well, it's working well, isn't it? Not in their own neighborhood. It's working well. well. Not in my neighborhood. It's working well. It's turned out perfectly. Yeah. There's virtually no crime. None. And, you know, the, the... the psychological group therapy sessions being done on street corners, I mean, is working out probably tremendously right now. I see it? people yeah. talking to each other yeah. <laughs> all the time. 866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA, is the FMCSA safety compliance and enforcement program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, let's go to Bill in Los Angeles talking about uh, uh, the uh, Biden investigation uh, here throughout the morning. Hi, Bill. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hey, guys. Uh, earlier, you mentioned the lack of coverage by the mainstream media of Joe Biden's alleged influence peddling. And as a former mainstream newspaper writer, I think this is primarily the work of corporate media managers to protect Biden, because this violates the prime directive traditionally taught to every frontline grunt journalist, which is to expose government corruption. And uh, the most conservative and liberal professors and students I knew at Columbia J School in the 80s agreed on that. 
and they actually went after candidate Joe Biden, you remember, yeah. in 1988 for his plagiarism. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point, and it, especially when it comes to this kind of influence peddling. Influence peddling would be right up there on on one of the big gotchas for a true journalist. Influence peddling with China. Yeah, no, especially you know, you with throw, China. You, yeah. you throw that in there. Yeah. Bill, as we've talked about many times, and thanks so much for your call, though. Thanks, Bill. They're not journalists anymore. They're right. Po- they're political, as we've stated, they're political activists. They're if, not journalists. If you're doing true journalism, you can be a liberal doing true journalism, and then the left is going to call you a uh, far-right winger. Right. Matt, yeah. Matt Taibbi, um, uh, uh, Schellenberger, Bernard, yeah, Bernard, Bernard Goldberg. Yep. You know, those are, right. you know, just... Right. Name a few. Yep. Uh, Barry Weiss now. Yep. Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, Pol Pot, Gary, Eric. Love him or hate him. Red Eye Radio. Eight? Why were we at the end of the list? Well, I don't know. I don't hate anybody. Yeah. I, di- I disapprove of people. Mm. I dislike them. Yeah. I loathe them. Mm. <laughs> Not really. And what is hate, really? Uh, I guess... Hate would be where you're out of control emotional with mm. with it, where you can't talk, uh, you can't even say, but the person, no, the hate is, mm. hate goes, I don't know, to the, to the rage part of you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've been okay. angry. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever experienced hate. Now the left will say <laughs> I'm full of hate, but but their definition of hate is is different than me. If I wish to debate, I'm hateful. If, if you I ask a question, if you ask a question, you're hateful. Now that's not my definition of hate. My definition of hate would be that such um, emotional loathing of of someone uh, that makes it so you almost can't operate. It's why I never ask questions because I'm not filled with hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ang- anger to the point of you—you've seen it before. Some, you know, uh, a father whose daughter has been abused by someone, mm-hmm. and they go after them, and that—and it's maybe months later, and you—you know—you're—you're—and I'm not saying it's not—it—it it, it might not be justifiable. I'm just saying rage, w- vengeance. Well, yeah. What what gets you to that particular point? Yeah. And is that rage or vengeance? Can it be under? Can it be understood by people? as being, you know, more legit than other forms of, of hatred and loathing and anger. Well, yeah. We've talked about it before. I mean, I remember in the 90s, anger is bad. Remember the angry white male? Well, I don't know. I don't know how many people remember that. I keep thinking everybody's my age. But that was so big in 94, 90. Moving, coming up to 94, really 94, it was huge. The angry white male. Hmm. Like, well, you know. I guess uh, I don't care about the color. Is the anger justified in some way? But getting back to uh, Bill, who called and said he had worked in the media before, and in the 1980s, you would, you know, with this type of 
you know, Biden, obvious what is viewed as influence peddling there slash public, you know, public corruption, the media would be all over it. Yeah, and and right. every single uh, uh, journalism professor, mm. whether on the left and the right, would say absolutely that you would go after it. And that's disappeared completely now. There And not only would there be a... I will say this, because I, I was... I, I was a radio station manager. I wasn't the news director, but we had a great investigative news department. Mm. So everything stopped with me. If they were going to do something or report something, for example... We actually did source stories. Mm-hmm. As a radio station, we did uh, source stories. And uh, I knew everybody's politics. I knew basically where everybody was. And you know something? The politics of when it was viewed as public corruption, because that's when we basically used more of the sources than anything. A couple of instances of public corruption. Mm-hmm. We never, And I knew what their politics were, and their politics I knew were different than mine at that point. Mm-hmm. When it came to public corruption, it never came up what your political bent was. It was, what do you have? Here's what we think is going on. Because it was about criminal activity or any type of public corruption, influence peddling, something like that. It was just the fact that that's wrong no matter what side you're on. And it was to the point where it wasn't even a, I will say for me, and I sensed it. I don't want to speak for anybody else who worked for me. But I sense that when it happened, it was just a a passion to cover to cover and get to the bottom of that story. There was an excitement to do it. I guess that means that part of it is a responsibility, but I never thought about the responsibility part of it to cover it for the public. It was just simply mm, possible public corruption. What do you guys got on this? You know, what do you or they'd come to me most likely. We think there's been public, you know, what should we do next? Uh, all right, what do you have? All right, do this, do that. And it was, there was a sense of excitement that you were breaking news and it was important news to be broken, but politics never got involved in it at all. Maybe a little bit of sense of responsibility, maybe the excitement of just that's the business you're in and covering it and to break a story would be great because radio normally didn't break stories and we were able to do that. But none of it was really based on the political bent. Now, most of it was local. And everything has changed to this date. But nobody could possibly imagine that the media would want to censor, for example, a Hunter Biden story. So Bill was right on that in the 80s. Nobody. And I think people forget that. And, you know, uh, I don't know why I've been on this narrative this week, but. It's not that I'm smart. I'm just old and remember things. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. And when you go back and when Bill said that, it made me go back to that time and say, wow, I mean, people have to understand that it's never been this way before. Like young people have to understand that both the left and the right, if there was public corruption, they went after it. And there were still vicious fights on policy. But public corruption and influence peddling, the entire population. So this isn't just the media because the media couldn't get away with it if it wasn't the fact that the people that read that media approve of them not covering the particular issue out there. And part of that is, if you want to see in the polls, 
and we caught it, and then we played the cut from Bert Hume a couple of weeks ago where it was whatever amount of people, 37 38%, believe that the Braggs prosecution is politically motivated, but they wanted him to go after Trump anyway. Mm. That wouldn't have happened back then. No. It wouldn't, you would no. not have those poll numbers. So it's not just the Democratic Party. It's the people that vote Democrat. They don't want to abide by the law. You saw it in the... Uh, the analysis of what happened in the uh, in, in the the the, uh, the Tennessee House. Yeah. Now, as we said, there can be a great debate. Now that you're looking back at it, it's like, oh, they they were uh, expelled. Well, they were back within a week, so it wasn't a permanent expulsion. They were able to get back in, and so was it really that big of a deal? No. And we said you can debate what the punishment would be, but when you see the media purposely. And I think it was a, there was a couple of articles on Chuck Todd and how they perverted ex- totally what happened. Hmm. And then you heard the fact that the media, you know, the Republicans are attempting to uh, stop democracy when it was the complete opposite. You wouldn't see those things back then when it came to those issues. No. Now, there would still be strong. You would still have in there. You could see, but, you know, but the Republicans need, the Democrats are just so frustrated because uh, kids are dying, and gun control is the only solution. You might see the editorials come up and say gun control is the only solution, and we don't want to put you know uh, police officers in the schools. But it would come down to the actual debate. They wouldn't lie about. They might justify the fact that Democrats, you know, went in and attempted to shut it down because they felt they had no other way to go. But now you see media outlets will actually say that the murderer had no place else to go. You wouldn't see the mainstream media go that far back in the 1980s. No, no. As they did, you know, for the uh, Nashville uh, murderer. So that really is a difference. But the difference is easy to understand because... They're not journalists anymore. They're political activists. Bernard Goldberg, when he wrote his book, when he wrote the book Bias, you know, he's the one that pointed it out. He had to be shown by a contractor who worked for him where his bias was. And he, when it was pointed out to him, he went, whoa, yeah, you're right. You know, this is wrong. They and think, how you phrase things. And but, How you phrase things. But right? these days it's not even, they're not trying to even do it in, in a subtle manner. It's, it's all out activism. These are the things that, We've talked about for years, and I've said often that true journalism has a critical role in a free society, if it indeed is true journalism. And you really don't even have to worry about that. And here's the problem, is that when you have activists instead of journalists, then it allows... A number of people in power and elected office to get away. And they know they'll get away with anything they want because no one's going to do the story. No one's going to do the truth. Hillary knew. They knew when they set up the whole Russian hoax thing. They knew the media would play along and look, hey, we'll just. Look, see, we presented something with the FBI and go to the media and say, hey, the FBI is looking into something about Trump. Which they were. But you do it and, and you use the old saying, 
If you want the kids to lie for you, you got to lie to the kids. So you get them in that, you know, that uh, puppet master mode where you can play them all day. And right. you know because of their mindset. They're okay with it. They're absolutely okay. okay they're going to right. jump further than you wanted them to jump on it. Right. And it's not this grand conspiracy. All you need is those with the same mindset. As we said, and we stated this a long time ago, if you've been a listener to the show, we said, because everybody would always say a conspiracy theory. I remember one day asking you, I don't know how many years it goes back, and I said, Eric, my fear is it's not a conspiracy any longer. It's a culture. Right. And it the is. culture, i never forget having that discussion with you for the first time because it was like, this is cultural. It's the culture that exists out there today that corruption is okay, that lying is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I I me- forgot to mention that the other day. You know, I said envy and jealousy are the two biggest – racism is not the biggest problem that we have. It's envy and jealousy and lying. And the yeah. acceptance of lying by the public every single yeah. day. Right. If the lie fits my narrative, I'm okay with it. Right. Those are the problems that we have today. Mm-hmm. Now, I see it way more on the left, but it does exist on the right. Yeah. Um, not not in as many instances at all, mm-hmm. but it exists, and I'm uncomfortable because the right never has to lie. Conservatives never have to lie. Right. And when they do, it bothers me. Well, it's, again, uh, it has no place. None well, whatsoever. There's no reason. And... You know, but when you have activists in newsrooms, um, it really becomes fight club. You know, you you don't need everybody behind the counter in all parts of the globe to, you know, you don't have to contact them and tell them what the rules are. They already know. You, you don't have to tell them what the mission is. They already know. Which is, the mission is, they're not journalists. Right. They're political activists. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So, uh, yeah, great call, though, from uh, from Bill talking about how, uh, you know, journalism has changed and how quickly it did change in the mm-hmm. last 35 years. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really last 30 years, really last 25 years, uh, it has changed. I mean, the the how quickly journalism schools went to things that would not be accepted or taught because if if this wasn't being taught in journalism schools political activism we would not have what we have today right. there there would be a revolt yeah reporters would say i'm out of here right i'm not going to do this right and they're not and there's a reason well and and that's it it's that you know, the activist looks to serve their own cause, whatever it is they believe in, whatever their cause is. A journalist looks to serve the actual reading public. 
or viewing public. But that's gone. There are really only a handful, only a handful of true journalists left. And once they're gone, you know, I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I the, the journalists exist. I mean, you even see them on the left. And the fact that they are coming out on the left, uh, you know, Matt Taibbi, Michael Schellenberger, mm-hmm. uh, you know. The, and those, those are know, the ones I'm referring to. Right. But it's I mean, only a handful, relatively speaking. Yeah, but they're but they're coming out. You did, They didn't exist. Mm-hmm. They didn't exist because they're a force now. They didn't exist. And they're promoting journalism. You know, Barry Weiss set up her own new website. I mean, mm-hmm. all of them. And they're now they're in the forefront. They are controversial figures. And they're on the left. They're Democrats. And so I believe it is. A, I believe it's a very, very important step that we had, we've had to take. No doubt. I wish there were more. Yeah. This is Red Eye Radio. On Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can <laughs> you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.